Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ash Milman. Hello, I'm here. And Josh Brown. Hello. Now, I wanted to kickstart a conversation that will be happening for the rest of this year, for the most part across 2020, which is just the general sort of trying to answer the idea of what is the best game of the decade. Now, we've done a whole load of these things across the last few years, decades so far type stuff. We you shaking your face. There's off? just so many. There are so <laughs> many. Because um, you can go all the way back to 2010, which is obviously the year that uh, Red Dead Redemption came out. And it just, it you know, you kind of have that sort of cross-generational thing. Um, so we've literally, we've just, we've done the cream of the crop. We've done an initial first pass um, to get these things uh, off the ground because we'll do way more of these videos across the rest of the year. We'll do tons in 2020. Um, but I just like seeing what different people come up with as to the answer of what the best game of the decade is. Um, so we're just going to run down all our choices. We have nine games um, and we'll just see how we go. Um, obviously, there'll be stuff that we've missed. That's where you come in down in the comments or you can come find us on social media if you're listening on the audio stuff. I mean, the first one that we've got it's Mass Effect 2. Yes. yes. One that we can actually all agree on. I know. Awesome. <laughs> I think we all agree on all of these. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll see. Oh, mm. God. Not this again. <laughs> I think it's fine. I'm in full agreement. Oh. Right. It doesn't matter. For now, we are all in agreement that Mass Effect 2 is one of the best games of the decade. Yes. And in my opinion, of all time. I would totally agree. I think it's one of the best sequels in terms of taking the things that you got from the first game and extrapolating them out. For me, Mass Effect 2 is the one that I find the easiest to go back to. Um, it's, oh, yeah. it, for me, it plays the best. I think I love the whole setup of you coming back from the dead and sort of amassing this little ragtag group of warriors or whatever to go and try and fight the collectors um, for me that's the one that I go to if I think of Mass Effect I tend to think of Mass Effect 2 yeah. um, this was your pick mm-hmm. as well actually oh 100% fan. Oh, Mass Effect 2 is the, the best Mass Effect game and also the best game ever so <laughs> it's going to come on the list hey there's the something game. else down here as well that might also be one of the best games ever maybe maybe but no Mass Effect 2 is uh, it's wonderful uh, it differs from the other two games in that it is basically I've said this before it's like side quest the game mm. because you're just going out and making friends and doing nice things across the galaxy. The galaxy might be like almost about to explode and be taken over by loads of aliens, but you're just going out having a nice time yeah. making friends with everyone. It's so. not exploding yet. You know what I mean? No. They're using the best of their final moments to yeah. chill out on their little spaceship and, you know, make best buds with their companions and then maybe stop a few collectors if they have time on yeah. a suicide mission. But, you know, it's difficult. It's hard. And it's awesome. It's a great it's sequel. Hard. Yeah. What? What? You're telling me you, your first run through Mass Effect 2 everyone survived. Yeah. Well, actually, there's a no, lot. No, 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 but I didn't know, I thought you were saying the whole game was quite hard. The suicide oh, no. mission's pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, although only one, only, I think uh, Kelly Chambers died, uh, rest of her soul. Rest and I can't think, I think Morden, 
Did he Morden? You them? killed Morden. He killed Morden on the first you run. Think, yeah, I think no. Well, because there's that weird way that they engineer it so that people have to die at the end of it. Where there's you can nominate someone to um, like it's there's some bit where you nominate some character to help you get through like a certain chasm full of enemies or whatever. And at the end of it, they're closing a door on mm. enemies, and a whole bunch of bullets come through and they kill whichever character is holding that door. So even though it has nothing to do with their speciality or anything, for me, Morden was the guy holding that door. And I remember but feeling you can robbed. You can win that, because yeah, everyone can survive. Well, yeah, they totally can. Zai like, died for me there, though. Okay, so Zai, yeah, well, he's just a DLC. The, the, the Zai, DLC character. He's no one anyway. Um, but in terms of what Mass Effect 2 is sort of like the reason that it, I don't know, like, I guess trying to nail down like why it's sort of regarded as the one of the best like games of all time or whatever, it's kind of that feel that you're exploring an actual galaxy mm. of potential, like especially at the beginning. Like uh, I forget what the name of that main hub city is. Citadel? Yeah. Um, no, no, not the Citadel. Oh. The, um, Omega? Uh, it might be Omega. The one that's like the, it's more like the underground. You see a whole lot of different criminals coming together and it's like mm. the big trade port and it's that Star Wars feel of like this must be this like nexus where all these different pl- uh, places and um, races and different cultures are all coming together. I remember that feeling mm. is kind of very Star Wars. It's very archetypal sci-fi. Um, but yeah, so the next one down is uh, The Witcher 3, yes. which is also, the, this it's might the be my one. Time. <laughs> <laughs> all of these are also the best game of all time. And um, for me, it, The Witcher might be my number one. I don't know yet. I'm going to see how I go. Um, but what do you guys think of The Witcher? I think it's just for me, it's that is the fantasy game of the generation. It's it's the, the best, like we keep saying, it's the best game of all time. It mm. might not well, might not be there for me, but I remember playing The Witcher 2 and really enjoying that and getting into the world and getting to know Geralt and sort of his life and his backstory and thinking it was pretty decent. I mm-hmm. thought it was a relatively good RPG. I enjoyed the story. But The Witcher 3 just blew my socks off. <laughs> getting into that and realizing that you could have a sort of huge open world but also have it so intricately detailed. Because even though you know it's quite a few years old now, before The Witcher 3, I feel like like when it came to sandbox games, unless you were Bethesda, you didn't really have sort of that pristine level of detail mm. and graphical finesse to sort of back up, you know, the openness and freedom of the open world itself, whereas this mm-hmm. merged the two with great storytelling and yet great sort of player-driven kind of mm. exploration and combat in just a perfect way. And you just got to know those characters and sort of live in that world for a little bit. And just, I have so much affection for that title. And I went back and played the um, Blood and Wine DLC. I haven't actually done um, the Lots other one. I haven't done that I yet. Actually. I bought it a while ago and I need to go back and complete, completely complete the Witcher you 3. You really do. But um, that big expansion is also awesome. Like mm-hmm. the bang for your buck in that game is just incredible. The, that, the, uh, yeah, speaking of like you said, like bang for your buck stuff, the um, the Blood and Wine expansion, the whole uh, thing of Toussaint, the additional like region, any other developer would have done that as a whole separate game. Yeah. yeah. Like it's kind of ludicrous how much how much stuff is in there. Um, but Ash, what do you think of The Witcher 3? Oh, I really like it. I Me think too. I think Josh has encapsulated it perfectly there. <laughs> like you go in and you see all these different people and, and the way that it's so intricately detailed, it feels like you're actually there, like mm. you're in there and you can go and live there and spend hours and hours in there and not see everything and have to come back and want to do other different mm. things and get different playthroughs and different ways you want to have Geralt be and all that affects the world as well, which mm. I think is all that you can ask for from these sort of massive open world games is true immersion mm. and it feels like you are Geralt. You do have to go to the Northern Realms. There is the wild hunt on the loose. <laughs> oh my God, it's very scary. But yeah, no, I just think it's, it's the... It, Ooh, it's just it's it's so good it's There's so well put that, like, together I think that it nails like more than hardly any other games of that uh, like scope sort of do mm. which is that Geralt makes sense in a story context he has a role he has different you know like friendship circles and things that he has to get done like you said yeah. the wild hunt or taking care of Siri. but he's also because of his history and being stripped of emotion or whatever you can just deviate off and do a whole bunch of like beast contracts or yep. explore and stuff and I can't think of any other sort of protagonist that managed to wa- manages to walk that line because yeah. um, we were talking about Mass Effect before and like in Mass Effect 3 or that idea in 2 of like you know the universe needs 
need saving or whatever, but I'm going to go and do all this side stuff. So many games fall down in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to hold The Witcher 3 up as like the way that Geralt's designed is that he kind of feels like he's both. He's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. he's not empty, but he is sort of, like I said, he's stripped of emotion, but he also kind of has a whole ton of agency. Um, also, like you said about the design of the world, mm-hmm. all the background stuff changes, which I didn't even notice going through it the yeah. first time, but like Novigrad and all like, as the war um, plays out in the background, like you see the actual design mm-hmm. of the world change, which is just a great thing. Um, do you think that like with The Witcher 3, CDPR of like kind of usurped Bethesda? We'll get onto Bethesda, but like... A lot well, of the sort of... shift in the seat from Josh. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I... Bethesda have been like gaming royalty for so long, but CDPR this generation just, well, this decade, sorry, just came in and just absolutely blew everybody away. I think they're what Bethesda want to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. 100%. I think so as well. I mean, you know, they did... Bethesda has always used the excuse for their kind of buggy games and their kind of, you know potentially shoddy game design in mm. places because it's 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 open world it's free you can do whatever you want you can shoot that guy there you can kill this guy that quest can be locked off you can do all this crazy stuff but the witcher showed that you can do that mm. but still have a pristinely for the most part polished title that mm-hmm. just looks and plays so well the battle of Kemorin as well is like one of the best set pieces in any open yes. world game where they just they slow it down and they make it all character focused and it's like I can't think like something like a GTA or like a division Assassin's Creed like they very rarely manage to deliver what would be a triple A AAA, you know story driven games worth of a set piece mm. um, but The Witcher completely pulls that stuff off what I love before we end up moving on is mm-hmm. that I remember how, I still have a mate now who I didn't even know was into <laughs> games and I suppose he's not really but I remember he was around mine and I was playing The Witcher 3 and he was just sort of about like he was like hey what's this this looks really good the next thing I know he'd bought it like played all the way through it we were talking about the different choices we made and what happened here and yeah, I just yeah. thought that was so cool like we bonded over that in a way that we never really talked before and I thought mm-hmm. this is awesome this game has sort of unlocked a part of a friendship yeah. I didn't know was kind of accessible there's also just to tag on that like side of it as well in terms of the choices like that game Witcher 3 isn't necessarily known in the way that like a telltale game is or whatever um, of a game that prioritizes choices because it does it all in the background but at the very end of it when you realize like what sort of like father figure you've been to mm. Siri where like the game actually was tracking all your dialogue choices and all these like meaningful things that you did uh, with Siri over over time. Um, that The Witcher Three is like certainly one of the best like oh, sort yeah. of story. You know, like I don't know, yeah. choose your own adventure type games yeah. or whatever. Uh, this generation. Um, next up is God of War, which um, like Witcher Three and God of War are my top two for the generation. I know yeah. we're talking about decade, um, but still, I just God of War is like immaculate. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> is it the best game ever, mate? I think it's the best game. Ever. <laughs> I, think it might be. I just it's so oh everything about it. Again, it's it's everything that The Witcher has with immersion and uh, taking this whole fantastical world and crafting it into something new original and deeply immersive Mm. but also not too long like perfectly paced so you're not like slogging your way through or rushing through thinking oh I wish there was more there's open world aspects so you can go and do Go and do a bit of exploring if you want to. Sorry, somebody sneezed and really shook <laughs> Someone me there. sneezed off camera. Anyway. <laughs> in a separate room. No, no, like literally. Going through, came, came through. through. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, that you can go off and do your open world stuff and come back. And then there's this whole like important, uh, scary narrative running through the middle. But again, mm. it balances the whole, oh, if I want to go off and do stuff, it doesn't matter to the main story because I've got like an invisible sigil on my head so nobody can see what I'm doing. Mm. Like, I think that the way that it balances everything is so good. And mm. the way that it plays into Norse, mi- and the way that it plays into Norse mythology and utilizes it as a, a leaping point for its own ideas that it then spins in a different direction that yeah. hasn't been done before yeah. is also fantastic. Like taking mythology and turning it into something new, it oh, 
I'll stop speaking. You're a big fan. Yeah. I think um, just to, to quickly mention the game's design, like <clears throat> at the very end of that game, the way that it, it ties off its story, actually its ending, quote unquote, story-wise, actually mm-hmm. propels you to keep doing the open world stuff, which I love. I love mm-hmm. a game that actually understands a way to meaningfully transition into an end game. Like so many things, even Borderlands 3 is like a recent example. Um, they're out there ahead of, mm-hmm. of launch going, well, this is going to be the end game. And, you know, you get this out of the way and then you do the end game stuff. And it's like the way that God of War does it, like gives you a reason to go do all those extra things. Yeah. Um, and I'd love that this little, little pocket of like time-tested traditional design tropes like um, the way that those uh, side areas are put together where it's like you know you go down a certain like area or whatever and you unlock something you double back on yourself you realize that you have a new path now open mm. or whatever those things are so like Metroidvania but they're just peppered in mm-hmm. and it's like Nintendo style like you know genre, like, entire genres have came from these ideas and it's just God of War is kind of an amalgamation of all the best things gaming can do in one place Yeah, God of War is really good it's Josh it's really really good I agree it was one of those games that I sort of didn't want to leave I mm. love it I think I love it slightly less than you guys but it's still definitely a contender for game of the gen- generation because mm-hmm. I didn't have much affinity for this franchise before this sort of semi-reboot mm-hmm. and then um, I was suddenly on board with it and I wanted to go back and play all the games and I like what you said there Ash when it's sort of you have a game and we'll get to this probably more as we go down the list but with this it's sort of enraptured me like totally it got me interested in North, Norse mythology mm. and I was thinking about buying a big old Norse mythology book that I obviously <laughs> didn't end up doing I did I did <laughs> I thought about getting it and reading it because I was just so engrossed not just in Kratos' story and Atreus' mm. story but the wider ramifications of the God of War series mm. and the themes and ideas it was drawing from and I love it when a piece of media whether it's games or movies or TV or whatever just sort of puts you in a world that mm. you want to sort of branch off and explore mm. more things you, from it you made such a great point about um like like thematics and, and kratos in the past series as well because the way that there's a whole other dimension to why i love this game and it's that they directly address what god of war used to be as a series mm. um kratos what he like he used to be this just kind of one-dimensional rage monster like mm. I, he's been described as just a rage face before like a rage emoji um and so going into god of war the new one it was like well what can they even do with that but with the same developers behind it it's like well they've grown and matured and they know what sort of role video game violence played in escapism and entertainment and whatever and the way that they write the new Kratos where he's he knows that he messed up and he knows that he's a broken person who doesn't really deserve like the love of Atreus and things mm-hmm. like that um, it's just there's a whole other like philosophical bent to the way that that game comes together that I absolutely love and it's it's right where we are in gaming oh, right now just heart warm so good <laughs> that and Uncharted 4 although Uncharted 4 isn't on our list not yes. for this pass anyway maybe for another one um, next game down is GTA 5 which I think is the thing that Josh thought oh, that I was going to disagree with hello I think you might disagree with this because just, yeah, go on. your opinions on GTA are well documented in yes. this office because I think GTA 5 is genuinely incredible and I think there's a reason that a lot of people are still playing it now and why it still breaks into the mm. top not only breaks into the top 10 best selling games of each month but is all often well up there it's I think number, it's still in the top 10 the top, it's in the top 10 but sometimes it's in the top 5 sometimes <laughs> it's right up there it's making a ridiculous amount of money and for me while the story of GTA 5 is still something quite special it's all in the online mode I have right. so many fond unique memories of playing GTA online with my friends and just creating these stories that I just wouldn't get from any other game or any other online game. Mm -hmm. It really is a sort of freedom-driven sort of player-driven sandbox where you can do whatever you want and there is a real sort of chance that you will come across an emergent piece of gameplay that no one else will have experienced Mm. before you. Yeah, there are set lobbies and there are heists and all that's really good, but it's those weird little memories that will make me, that make it one of the games of the generation for me. Mm. I remember booting it up with my mate and again, it was someone I hadn't really played games with and we got to connect over this um, title and Mm. we we, um, dressed up as the guys from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, bought the (laughs) 
same car and we would go around robbing banks as if we were those guys because I just read that book at the time and I love that any game the that, that lets, lets you do, do that, that is great. yeah the fact yeah. that it lets me do that that's just one sort of mini story that I have from these past what coming up six years of yeah. GTA Online that I will cherish forever because my oh. thing with GTA which is something that uh, Nicky Jakey is a separate YouTuber there's a whole video on um, how the old school GTA games used to be way more about sandbox stuff in terms of um, you could sort of like you know figure out a way through any given mission it was like okay go kill this person you figure out however you want to do it like maybe you plan a maybe you put a car in the way of their getaway car so that when they try and get away they get stuck and you can run in with your machine gun or whatever and there were kind of all these different ways to interact with the main missions that the newer newer Rockstar games have kind of gotten away from Mm -hmm. but that level of experimentation and just faffing around with the physics is all in GTA Online Mm -hmm. Um, and the the mission goals tend to be more abstract in online as well where it's like just you know save this one person and just get from A to B and however you do that you can so it's like you end up getting to the checkpoint in like a biplane or something even though you were supposed to just drive there Um, and in terms of GTA 5 the main city like yeah I didn't I bounced right off the characters and stuff but I think in terms of like a sheer technical achievement like that game city and the detail is ludicrous I know some of the streets in that city better than I know my streets in Newcastle (laughs) I could I could could direct people around that version of uh, it's definitely Los Santos I'm just saying how much I love it now I can't remember what it's called but But I could direct people around it you know off like rote memory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's like because for me yeah comparing it to the old games they they really matured it they really because you did you play much gta i have dibbled and dibbled and dabbled dabbled in gta it's i've always it's always been a franchise that has never really appealed to me Mm. and also that i've never really wanted to invest much time in what i have played of it i think is fantastic and i think it's like a legendary piece of video game lore and that sort of thing but Mm. it's not particularly my style of thing i can look at it and go wow yeah that's a really good game that's like that's really nice but i just kind of that was kind of my yeah, that was kind of my thing overall with GTA 5 is that I didn't think it drew me in. There's mm. a weird sort of like caricatured, like over-animated sensibility to the old games mm. where they were like way more over the top um, that I found it easier to get into, especially with the certain time regions and or eras that they focused on and stuff. But and for like, you know, sheer amount of video game and things mm. that they pull off and the a level of detail in that world and ways that you can have fun with it, GTA 5 is like a monolithic release. We've mm. got another Rockstar game down here as well, but yeah, GTA 5 is a hell of a thing. Next game down is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, which I almost forgot to put on because I think I'm just thinking of new, <laughs> newer stuff from the last couple of years, uh, which would include that too. But yeah, Breath of the Wild like is like a sublime, just everything I love about video games um, sort of condensed into sort of in one game. It's just, it's completely effortless. It's kind of magic. They, the way that it lets you explore its, your, its entire world, my, it's so lush. My favorite thing is just the Korok seeds. Like, just, <laughs> they literally just go and collect that. I think yeah. any, any game that can banter you off that well, like while playing it, make him play well, then give you an actual poo at the end. Like yep. I think it's got my respect it's got my respect best game game of all time (laughs) at the end of that whole thing we didn't even say that about the last game GTA 5 best game of all time but um, yeah Breath of the Wild if you do all the side stuff and that particular thing all you get is a nice little sort of memorable Mm. poo which is and that's all you need because it's the satisfaction of getting that memorable poo that's you know it's the most rewarding part if you ate the 600 seeds you'd need a poo (laughs) (laughs) but um, in terms of one of the things that I like I said I love the fact that it's we um, the way that you sort of move around that game you can just climb anything for me it kind of kind of I don't know maybe rethink what an open world could even be it's like mm. this entire open world is one big level I can climb anywhere and jump off anything and like all these different enemy like pockets of enemies all over the place and it just there's just a level of sheer playability to that game that I don't think anything else has you just it just goes from beginning to end um, and you're always having fun with it and it's like the whole sort of like meta narrative of like Hyrule needs saving and you're like you have this memory loss thing and you don't really unlock any abilities after the initial set of powers but you get better at using them you mm. become the hero like mm-hmm. and it's like it's that thing where it was in you the whole time but you needed to learn how to get better and it's like 
that when that all comes full circle and you storm Hyrule Castle and you go to save the whole realm and the, the, that theme is on in the background, like it's it's gorgeous. It is. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was a non-believer until I finally got a switch way late in the game. <laughs> finally got Breath of the Wild way late in the game, mm-hmm. and then just decided that I loved it. It's the best game of all time. It might be awesome. I think they're all the best game of all time. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you when you were talking about the uh, its approach to sort of open world level design because it mm. does feel like one mm. big level and it's one of the few games we talk about all the time I think it was the one of the Destiny's producers who sort of went like you know look at that mountain you can go to that mountain yep. and that is true in Breath of the Wild yeah. if you see a mountain you can go to it you can try to climb it you might not get up there it might start raining you might sort of fall down oh, man. but you can try it and eventually you will get up that mountain I need you address let, let it be known I need you address on cam somewhere that you can the whole the rain problem that everyone cites with Breath of the Wild you can totally overcome that you can either hey, get the climb you gotta, get, you gotta get the climbing gear. You can get the ability that you jump really high, or you just climb in five animation bursts, and then he doesn't slip as much. While we're on, go on. Weapon durability. Yeah. That's all right as well. It I is, don't really it? mind. It encourages you to use you to use different items, yeah. and then you have a fun time. You pick things up off the battlefield. Whoa! It's boomerang. <laughs> um, it's really good. I know. There's a whole thing. These are the, the two most common criticisms levied at Breath of the Wild. Oh, it's not perfect because it has the. Oh, if it rains, you can't climb. You can. You just need to try harder. And the whole thing with the weapon durability thing, like you said, one it encourages. You to try, I'm, I'm going. It encourages <laughs> you to try a much bigger variety of weapons, and if your thing comes up saying it's about to break, you just throw it for double damage. Yep. So you might as well have fun with it. Yeah, Ash. I've, I've like had to step away from both these two entries because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. the other side of it is you, pair, and I'm like, oh, I would love to next, do next. A, a focused, definite <laughs> thing, but I just rant on about because the, these criticisms have been there for like two years now, and every time I'm sitting in my chair going, it's not true. Mm. It's just not put that your raincoat on, guys. Just learn how to jump. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, Breath of the Wild, very, very good game, one of the best games of all time. Next thing down is Red Dead Redemption 2, although we've also added Red Dead Redemption 1 because that game was in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So out of the two, uh, Josh, you should talk about Red Dead 2. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get 
unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, definitely too. That's my. It might be my. I think this is. We've, we've for every single entry so far. We've got <laughs> this is the best game of all time. Or this uh-huh. is the best game of the decade. I think Red Dead Redemption Two is my pick for number one of really, the entire yeah. generation of the entire decade because I I love it so. I think about it daily. I don't play it daily. <laughs> I think about Red Dead Redemption Two on the daily because I just. I thought you were kidding the, when you said that. No, seriously. Just I was got Arthur on the mind. Yeah, I've got <laughs> Arthur on the mind. I was thinking about it last night because I was watching a western yesterday yeah. and I thought, oh my god. I can see where Red Dead Redemption 2 has plucked from this and, mm. you know, interpreted this way. But anyway, I love it for the exact opposite reason that I love GTA 5 because this, to me, is the perfect solo experience. We were talking mm. about The Witcher 3 before and how it encourages you to just sort of live in its world and be a part of its world. I think Red Dead Redemption 2 does that same thing, but mm-hmm. slightly in a different way because it's not really an RPG. And yet you sort of, at least I did, I came at it as if it was an RPG, as if mm. I was playing as Arthur, which I obviously am. Mm-hmm. But I was sort of making decisions based on what I thought his personality was, and I was choosing his clothes based on his plight at the time. I was growing his beard out because he was living in the woods. I was really into the minutia of his day-to-day activities, and I didn't mind just going on for two hours and having a a fish or going hunting Mm -hmm. and bringing it back to the camp and providing for the camp. When I first jumped into it, I wanted it to be more like Red Dead Redemption 1. I wanted it to be more instantaneous, or like a GTA, instantaneous with its action and get to the point or whatever. And then I realized the point's kind of just the world and the characters, and I didn't mind yeah. sitting around the campfire listening to a song play out, mm-hmm. which I would never do in another game. I might jump in for 10 seconds and get the gist of it, mm-hmm. then nick off. But here I really did care about everyone, yeah. even Oof. the absolute idiots who ended up <laughs> betraying me at the end. And I, when it finished, I felt satisfied, but also kind of like something, a part of me had... Had left because mm. you, you play <laughs> something like else. Mourning for this uh, game I'm mourning, every day since. I'm mourning for our friend, so your friend and mine. We uh, all went through it at the same time. I think actually we finished around the same time. No, I think I started it. I started it like a week after you guys, and you'd plowed through right. it for the first time. So you'd like you like completed my mission, then went back and carried on. Whilst yep. I like slowly eked it out, like mm-hmm. as I carried on. But I yeah, but, f- huh? didn't Scott spoil Red Dead yeah, Redemption? Yeah, he did spoil Redemption. Oh, oh, you only yeah. go on record. Yeah. I spoiled he it for did. Myself. He did. He, sp- no. he sent me a picture of a cat. He sent me a lovely <laughs> picture of a cat whilst writing up an article on a big spoiler of Arthur's story. <laughs> and like, and uh, well, his laptop was there with the headline, and then a cat sat in front of it, and I was like, oh, oh well, what a really yeah, nice cat. I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, good, yeah. No, why did you look at the screen? I said, <laughs> you, I said you were a cat. There was a cat next to it. But yeah, I wanted anyway. people to focus on a cat. I thought you'd focus on the cat, Ashmill. I did, not. but I thought, haha, look at the cat in front of the screen. I'll he's, just see uh, what he's writing. I thought you were doing a I'll gag. Just... I thought you were doing <laughs> no. a gag. But the joke was on me. It was. was it. But anyway. To this day. Red Dead Redemption 2, great game. I have all the problems with it for the reasons you like it because I, because uh, I just find it, uh, I find it tedious. Well, I mean, mm. you actually don't like spending an hour trying to, you know, do a fish and then no. you know carry a hay bale no. from one side carry to a hay bale and then refilling the water tanks mm. from the little pond and also you know carrying back a deer that's on your horse but oh, it might man. decay if you don't get there in they time. all starve thanks to me I was like no I'm not feeding <laughs> you guys like let, go and do something stop dancing around this yep. camp every time every time's like a slow thing happened like with the you know when you have like those party nights and you have to like dance around with everyone and talk to that. them all I hated it I was like <laughs> literally I was like come on we're gonna go to sleep and get on with the Why game you didn't like the parties though no I actually didn't like the parties so I, th- I 
thought Red Dead Redemption 2 was one of my favourite games that I played. I was like, oh my God, I didn't realise gaming could be this deep, this wonderful, this intense. <laughs> and I still really respect it and think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. game. Like it's, it's still like a favourite. Yeah. But as soon as I played some other things afterwards, I was like, that was way too slow I, for me. Yeah, I think, like, I, mean, we had, I remember, that's why I mentioned those finishing at the same time, because I thought mm-hmm. that, I remember having conversations about like, you feel how sluggish that game is. Yeah. And it's weird because it is so deliberate that I've, I've described it in articles and stuff. It's like, it's kind of virtual reality without a VR headset mm-hmm. because it is so deliberate. And there's something about it that instills like that need that you said about like, you want to go and like maintain his facial hair and get a certain set of clothing mm-hmm. and you want to live with a certain pace. And they really, it, it all comes from all the different animations and the way you can have dialogue with everybody. And I do love that side of it. Um, but there is also the other side where it is, it is quite sluggish and deliberate mm-hmm. and like it wants to take its time. It's like an old Western. It's like once upon yeah. a time in the West mm-hmm. that isn't going to get there until it gets there. Like, you know, and there is like a there is like a recommendable pace to that, um, which I guess to throw in Red Dead Redemption 1, that game is the more gamified version mm. of that experience. It, there's no sort of, you're not going off to live in the woods because something bad just happened with like a certain character's wife or like whatever. Uh, it's more just, here's the gameplay, you can go. And I for me, I prefer Red Dead 1. Yeah. Um, and I think that by the end of Red Dead 1, I've never had a game instill a need to go find an NPC and, and, and literally enact revenge. Mm. Like, and it's completely of your own accord. Like Red Dead Redemption 1 ends and you could, you could totally think you're done with the story. But if you, of your own accord, go to one of the cities and track down the person who killed your father, you can literally find that guy, and mm. that's the true ending. And I remember finding that out for the first time, being like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Like, yeah. no game's ever instilled that before. Um, but yeah, people can argue about Red Dead 1 versus 2 for the rest of time. Um, and we'll put a marker on it at some point when we finally do a proper list version of this. Yeah. But whatever, next game down is The Last of Us, um, which Good. was the best game on the PS3. Best game of all time, It maybe. might be the best game of all time, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know, best game of all time. Well, you've got a war was on there before. Yeah, Last of Us is better. Oh. And when you said, oh, this is my pick for Red Dead Redemption 2, I was like, but Last of Us is coming up. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty glad to. You know what? Okay, this is also the best game of all time. Yeah, I agree. But still, I mean, in terms of The Last of Us, um, a lot of people obviously hold it up because of the the storytelling and the way that those characters are portrayed and like that obviously that massive emotional gut punch at the yeah. very beginning of it. Um, and I totally see the counter argument that the best moments in The Last of Us are uh, in the cutscenes. Um, but I do think it's backed up with the gameplay. I do love the survivability stuff. I love playing as Joel. I don't think you would get the connection between Joel and Ellie if it wasn't meted out across like 15-ish hours or however yeah. long it is, um, which directly factors into the ending and, and Joel. Like I just I remember realizing as I wrote up The Last of Us on something else a little while ago that at the the very beginning um control is very much taken away from him he's trying mm. to save his, his daughter sarah um and you know she gets killed by this soldier at the very beginning um at the very end when he storms the the room with ellie in the operating room he very much takes control back away yeah. from you as the player mm. and joel on screen decides to save ellie and kill one of the surgeons um, and it's up oh. to you whether you like you know run him out of the, the room or whatever but i love that the, on a, in a meta way that joel himself as an entity in the game decides to get no i'm going to do this like, yeah. i lost one daughter i can't lose another one um i think it's because of all of that for me it all comes to together though mm. I do see the whole cutscene thing but you guys love a bit of The Last of Us 2 oh uh, Last of Us 2 2's later as well I meant oh yeah. yes that makes sense it's 4pm T-double-O almost uh, no uh, Last of Us is fantastic obviously I only played it recently compared to when it actually came out and I feel oh, like we, I... we berated you to play it yeah exactly <laughs> and it was worth it honestly you slapped me about it, saying play do this it. game and uh, I did and it was so so good like even knowing what was going to happen and everything it still has that absolute mm. like Ooh, ooh. <laughs> just that core gameplay that sucks you in and again it's another one with an original premise an original way of doing it that like 
immerses you fully in a world that you then want to play out as Joel and Ellie mm. and see how their relationship develops and find everything and go and look at all these dilapidated buildings and clickers and all that sort of thing. Mm. Like I just wanted to look at everything. So I was yep. like, wow, mm. that's really good. Like that. I like the design of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, we'll see like how uh, Naughty Dog are going to sort of pick up the story threads or whatever and mm. continue it. Initially, I really didn't want more The Last of Us, but as it's as I've sort of delved into it a bit more and pulling out the ramifications of what does it mean to have one person that provides the yeah. cure for the future. Um, in a way, it's just a bigger version of Joel's lie. Like how important is that one individual versus the millions that yeah. you don't love or whatever? Um, Josh, you, you like The Last of Us. I do. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I thought I it might saying. be. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the best. It was one I came <laughs> to late as well because I didn't have a PlayStation 3, so I got the remastered uh, version mm-hmm. and I played through it. And I was, it took me a while to get into it, to be fair, yeah. because maybe it's because I had such high expectations after hearing it's one of the best games of all time. Mm-hmm. And then it just completely won me over as soon as you properly get introduced to Ellie and Joel because it takes quite a while for them to actually mm. meet and start to uh, break the ice and I just think like the story itself is obviously amazing and well told and I agree that you know that decision at the end which isn't really a decision because control is taken away yep. from you that's such an interesting way to do it because you're expecting you know a moral choice or something like that and then you don't get it mm-hmm. because Joel is his own character with his own agency mm-hmm. and that subverts your expectations as a player and that's just amazing it ends on a way that uh, on a note that a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction just doesn't end on, you know, yeah. subverting your genre expectations all the way through. And it's got a killer multiplayer mode that always does, gets fair, overlooked. Yeah. Factions is awesome, and I'm still sorry, Dewey, because I got you killed. Your friends die. If oh, you import yeah. your Facebook friends, you can get them killed. A lot of my friends died me- with me trying to, you know, survive and help my camp. That's awesome. And also, <laughs> the combat in general is just really good. Yeah. All Naughty Dog games sort of kind of get, not trash for the combat, but people always say, they don't always get held up. Yeah. Get held yeah. up whereas Last I think there is a, a real mechanical sort of finesse to it that doesn't get the praise it deserves. Everything True. clicks together and you really feel like you're part of this scrappy, you know, survival mm-hmm. uh, world trying to do your best to mm-hmm. get through to the next position with about three bullets. Let know. it be said that Last of Us is multiplayer is damn recommendable. Damn right it to is. To this day. Um, also as well, as one final sort of thing for that, the thing you were saying about, well, we both said about like the way that it, it makes a choice for you. I would hold The Last of Us up as a reason why um, a particular writer or script, you know, should make a decision and, and mm-hmm. let the player live with the ramifications of it. Um, so for me, some of the best questions Questions in gaming come from those moments, like yeah. something in Horizon, the end of Horizon, um, or The Last of Us, as opposed to like if that was an actual in-game choice, do you save Ellie or not? I don't think it would have anywhere near as much impact because we would have yeah. just matter. You know, it because it goes down one lane that makes the conversation happen yeah. in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. Um, next one down is the is uh, Dark Souls, <laughs> the Dark Souls, um, which I think if we're going to sort of point to one game this generation that is the most influential, I think that it probably mm, Souls. Yeah. Every yeah. other game is a Souls like, um, whether it be behind the shoulder type stuff or even the side-scrolly ones like Blasphemous or Salt and Sanctuary um, in terms of, I don't know, boiling it back down to its base elements. Like, it's almost like survival games, but really rigid combat mechanics. Um, FromSoft obviously ended up doing um, something like Sekiro, which is more acrobatic, but um, that first Dark Souls, everyone's played it. Everyone has an opinion on Dark Souls. <laughs> Ash loves it. Uh, it's my best. Fa- Best game, Best game of all time. Best game of all time. Yeah, yeah. I hate Dark Souls. <laughs> I hate it. I, uh, I respect again another one I respect and another oh. one that I think is a great game and I can see all of its influences and the way that it puts itself together. Wonderful, beautiful, etc., etc. <laughs> but I just can't stand grind games. I can't stand it. I just it just makes me angry and I find it pointless and I find it exercises my rage. Best too much. games of the de- decade. Best. With the- 
It's the best Souls game. Souls, do you mean in terms of like, because it's true, you always go up and bang your head against this massive brick wall with a face until you can break through. I just think difficulty for difficulty's sake is cheap, mm. slightly, which I, is a bit of a controversial opinion. But I, I think making something difficult and getting to the end of it and having your big like satisfaction moment of being able to get mm. through it and figuring it out is fantastic, but it is not the type of gameplay that I like. Yeah, personally. and it's like, and yeah. that's the thing. When I um, first fought Ornstein and Smile, which is like the second or third last boss, mm. that is the most I've ever got completely just yeah. raged out and like had an existential crisis of like mm. what is this is the moment in my life when I can't beat something and, I, yeah. and I'm just done um, <laughs> but when I finally did it I was like shaking with glee and it was like <laughs> unlike anything else um, but like you know it's it's true you can take that the, like you know to the, the wrong degree kind of thing because mm. Sekiro like that was the game where loads of headlines and critical um, different opinion pieces around the launch of Sekiro were like okay how much harder can we get yeah. like this is just infuriating but then under the proviso that if you finally surmount the difficulty Oof. it'll be worth it I just I, find, I want games to be escapism want to go in and see loads of beautiful lore and wonderful landscapes and we'd be able to explore and have all this storytelling given mm. to me and I think that the way that Dark Souls and Sekiro and From Software do like a, a meted out story that you've got to go and find and mm. pick up things and piece together for yourself I really like that I do not like having to try and kill everything and like work my way through everything to get to that like mm -hmm. and I understand I totally understand why people do like that and why others would enjoy it and why it's a fantastic mm. way of having uh, games that it's a fantastic thing to have those games so you've got comparative stuff mm -hmm. and to be able to go well, I've had enough of that I'm going to play something nice now <laughs> um, but for me I just find it I just find it infuriating I find mm -hmm. it uh, needless to a point of playing it I'm like why why it's uh, weird because it's because obviously gaming is like an active medium that sensation of mm. like overcoming something you can't get that from anything else it's not you don't have to struggle to turn the pages of a book or struggle to get through a film like mm. it's something that only games can do um, it's obviously different degrees based, yeah. based on different games but Josh you're a story. you like the Souls I like Souls a lot I'm uh, conflicted on this because I don't know what I prefer more Dark Souls or Blood Bomb but I'll stick Ooh. with Dark Souls right now because I, I, I kind of agree with Ash that you know I can understand why people you know don't like it or bounce yeah. off it yeah, yeah. But at, the oh, same, yeah, totally. at the same time to me Dark Souls isn't just sort of like you know the punishing difficulty or trying mm. to overcome a challenge it is about the world and that's mm. what sort of sets it apart for me going back and playing the remastered edition I uh, I didn't want to slog through all the bosses again so I used summons to beat Onstein and Smao and stuff like that I would just kind of when I got to a brick wall I just couldn't get past I didn't have that sort of mentality that I did the first time around where I was Same. just thinking no this is a challenge mm. I've got to overcome it overcome it otherwise what am I yeah, and what, what is my, my sense of identity going back to it a second time with the remastered edition I, everything mm. else sort of clicked mm. I got why I enjoyed it so much the first time it wasn't just the combat it mm. was you know going down into I think it's the Great Hollow and looking left and seeing that massive hydra on the one side and looking right and seeing a bonfire there and just <laughs> thinking thank god <laughs> yeah. I do not need to die and have to go all the way back to the top but there mm. are so many intricately packed secrets into that game and you really do feel like you're exploring and adventuring mm. through a sort of deadly world that's trying mm. to kill you but the um the sort of you know gold at the end of the rainbow is always worth it there's always something you know beautiful or grand or mythic to see yeah. even if there is a good chance that it probably will try to kill you at the That's end the of the thing. day like, no other developer has ever pushed me to the point of just break point where I was like I hate this I oh god I just want it done I just want it to be done it's like a mm. chore I just want to break I just want to get this thing done mm. and then at, within a split second with the victory screen like that was all worth it that yeah. was brilliant <laughs> I would do that all, I would do that all again no, like man. and it's just it's the weirdest sensation <sighs> 
me see me ever getting a victory on the game, it's like, yeah, I showed you, but I'm not I'm not pleased by it. I'm always like That's done. I've wasted all my time on this and now I'm going to go do something else. But no, I, I think I, I think my main problem with Dark Souls is not so much it as a game, but it's a, it is an entity that people use for gatekeeping towards mm. gaming. Like, oh if you mm. don't like Dark Souls, then you're not a real gamer. You're good, man. Yeah, if you don't if you can't get through this, are oh, you a real gamer? And then using it like, oh I did this, that's that. like just enjoy it for yourself. Like just have yeah, a nice time. Yeah. Like I, I, I can see that as well. Even in, in the office where a lot of people try to get to Dark Souls and they sort mm. of like have caveats for them not enjoying it. They're like, mm. oh, I'll get into it eventually. I'm just mm. stuck at the beginning. And they throw themselves at the yeah. wall over and over again. <laughs> and this, this, it's fair to just be like, you know what? It's this, not for me. This yeah. ain't for me, Chief. This yeah. is yeah. not the type of game I like. And it, it, I do agree that there's sort mm. of this weird kind of potentially gatekeepery thing mm. of like, you know, mm. it's a meme now, but there was a real mentality of you got to get good to enjoy this well, game. Well, yeah, getting good is the sort of go-to forum response to literally anybody with any sort of FromSoft game. But that all, for me, like you can kind of all put that towards just how influential it's been. And oh, just, yeah. You know, it is one of the I best feel like I should say, like, it deserves Second. its place. Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. deserves its place on, like, best games and all that sort of thing. Influential, something new, exciting, put together very well mm. for what it is, but just not Michael. Just, it is fascinating taking something like difficulty in video games mm. used to be used to get money out of people in the arcades and the idea of bringing it back to the fore and going, this game is incredibly hard and we intentionally made it that way, but you're only paying once. Like, mm. that sort of rethought, everybody had to rethink difficulty and, and all those sort of things. Um, this decade, now the last game we have it might be the best game of all time, genuinely, Skyrim. <laughs> I, I might say Skyrim is the best game ever. Even I don't agree. And I'm ah, the Elder Scrolls fangirl because Oblivion's the best game of all time. Oh, that's it, not doesn't, it doesn't fit on this list. But. Nope. Uh, it is though but no Skyrim's fantastic we all know yes. Skyrim's fantastic yeah. it's, the best. Like, it's the best game of all time it might it may be I mean in terms of this decade stuff for me that was that for me that's Bethesda's last big high point I don't oh, think yeah. they've got anywhere near that and that was back in 2011 um, and it is it is pure agency like there's a reason they keep re-releasing it and it always works you can always go back to it um, I just got the Switch version and restarting a new character all over again um, I am doing different things like you know there's some locations you can go back to but the amount of choices you have when you're building a character when you're mm. equipping a character um there's just there is it's free form fantasy like mm. you can do whatever you want if you have a remote sort of you know you want like you like fantasy at all for mm. me Skyrim is that game um, I don't know how much if you guys have gone back to it like since the initial release well this is what I want your guys opinions on mm. because at, at the time and still now I still love Skyrim mm. I love everything it stands for mm. and I loved uh, you know being back in 2011 and just plowing hours and hours into this game yeah. and loving every second of it drinking up the atmosphere and you know engaging in every quest I could trying out different builds but even in spite of all the remasters and stuff I've never really gone back to it in the really? same way that I did mm. Oblivion or um, Fallout New Vegas as well if, it, if this was my list personally I know I'd you swap suggested it out New for, Vegas and I was like what? I'd swap it out for <laughs> New Vegas just for me that has that's sustained uh, its interest with mm. me all the way throughout my life I go back to New Vegas and I find something new every time I connect with something different I listen to the soundtrack on the daily and it's not that Skyrim isn't good Skyrim is one of the best <laughs> games of the generation and maybe of all time and certainly of the decade mm -hmm. but when I think about like Bethesda games not Bethesda games but you know things that fall into that bracket those big RPGs that I, rem I remember Skyrim is amazing it was amazing at the time yeah. but there are other ones that I would pick I would still recommend because you're you're doing a thing where you're going back to old games and old franchises and stuff. I would totally recommend you go back to Skyrim and see how you feel in prep for doing a bigger version of this. I know to go back to. But you start a new character and see how you feel. For me, there's there's an immortal pull to the very beginning of that game where it just feels like you're stepping into a whole other realm. And there's just like it is that feeling. It's maybe cheesy, but like it is endless possibilities, and you can pick a direction and go, and you will find stuff. Like the way they designed that radiant quest system to serve you things up, I do think really works. And then just the world design, the score, like it. 
it is pretty magical. Like, I think it's lush. Asher, a fan. Oh, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, it's one of my favorite games ever, of yes. course. Um, Oblivion's always been my favorite because it's a bit weirder. I think, mm. I think mm-hmm. the, the one thing that Skyrim, I think, works in its favor, but also holds it back slightly, is that it is very classic high fantasy with mm. dragons and all that business. I think if they bought more of the Oblivion planes and that sort of thing, like doing the Daedric Prince quest is like ridiculously right. good. And the Dark Brotherhood and all that sort of thing, that like little flavor that Bethesda throw into their mm. fantasy is so unique and so wonderful to dive into. I just wanted... <laughs> I wanted like more of that. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to eat that up. In terms of like uh, playability, like Skyrim was the one, unlike Oblivion, that I just mm. just just went like straight yeah. away. I felt that it was just you could just pick it up and go. Yeah. Um, whereas Oblivion was a little, still a little bit kind of clumsy with its combat. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a way that Bethesda do combat models that is kind of just like flailing and hoping for the best. Yeah. But um, for me, like Skyrim sort of brought those things together. But yes, let us know down. Let Let us know what you think down in the comments if you're watching the video version or can find us on social media if you're listening on any of the audio platforms. For now, though, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast, and I've been your host, Scott Taylor, for joining. Bye, Ash Millman. Goodbye. I'm Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye bye. Goodbye. Good working. I don't know. Other side of Skyrim. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.